No, you don't have to pay fees, but you need to step up and make sure that it's known that you really want to come uh, and that you want to make a difference. Um, mm. And we have the disadvantage of not coming from France, Spain, uh, Italy or Belgium. Mm. Uh, uh, and and that disadvantage needs to be compensated with, uh, I think, a strong philosophy, identity, and a way of racing. Hey, legends, and welcome back to the Press Room Podcast presented by Zwift, where fun is fast. We're back, episode five, and summer in Australia is just starting to wind down. In fact, we might be in autumn now or spring. I can't remember which one's which, but it's getting cooler. I'm scared about winter. I'm not much of a winter rider. Well, I am. I still get out there, but Zwift just offers the next best thing to riding outside when it's when it's sunny. And, you know, getting the winter training in, in winter time, is just made so easy with Zwift. You know, you can do the training plans if you're the workout kind of person. You can do the races, like the Zwift Racing League, which I'll be getting stuck into for sure. Um, or you can just take the Ks away, trying to get a route badge or um, unlock some cool kit. I've actually got three badges left on Watopia before I've ridden them all, so... And once I tick those off, geez, I don't know, I'm going to have to go to London or something. Anyway, it's great for winter training and a huge thank you to our title sponsors with. I've got some sick, some sick news, but I'll share that a little bit later in the pod coming up to do with Zwift. Oh, it's, it's some spicy stuff. Anyway, today's guest, episode five. This is the best episode I have recorded to date. And there's been some crackers, if I don't say so myself. Uno X. The Scandinavian team, you would have seen their kits, the yellow and the red, the AX style colors. Last year, they burst onto the scene in the classics, these underdogs, you know, they got a few race starts here and there to the big races, and gee, did they make their mark. Now, I'm talking with the CEO, not only of the team, but the founder of the team, and he's even the CEO of the brand, Uno X, which you'll learn about in the podcast. His name is Jens Hogland, and he is an absolute legend. And you'll hear in his voice, he froths cycling, just like me. So Jens is really part of the new generation. He understands how to present a team to us fans. You can't hold all the information in and be secretive and all this sort of stuff. You know, he's about opening up the team to the world to show its characters, show its culture, and it creates a more interesting product for people to grab a hold of and, and, and I guess, support. And Jens is so good at detailing everything, the culture, its plans, how the teams run, um, how they do things differently, and what they plan to do in the future. And so I really, really hope you guys like this episode. And, you know, as I was editing this one, I just was reinstated with me on how good this episode is. So, with that, it's time to crank up the ergo, hop on Zwift, Watopia, that little goofy tune that starts up when you get the game going, because here's episode five, and I'll see you in a minute. Yes, I'll do it. How you going, yes? Uh, well pronounced, Jesso. Thank you very much, and thanks for the great compliments. No, no worries, no worries. Um, I only spent about half an hour trying to uh, practice the last hour. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, then you yeah. did well, then you did well. Everything lies in the preparations, right? Mm-hmm. That's right. Wow. So, Jens, can you just uh, introduce yourself and explain what your role is with uh, Uno X, both the cycling team and the company, because we know there's more than that, 
And then, um, hmm. yeah, start with that and we can go from there. Yeah, sure. Uh, so I'm the general manager of the team. Um, I've been that since the start of the team in 2016-17, starting off as a Conte team in Norway. And, and parallel to that uh, obligation, I'm also the CEO of, of the Unix company in Norway. So, uh, um, so, so our team and our way of thinking in cycling is that our team is just a fully integrated part of our core business. Um, it's our one and only integrated marketing strategy for our brand. And we, uh, we have now reached a point in Scandinavia where we are operating two professional teams um, with a lot of people, uh, a lot of uh, yellow and, and red colors, uh, and trying to make our way into the, in the world of cycling. Yeah, that's awesome. And I was looking into to Uno X uh, as the, the company, and can you explain what they are? It's, a, it's, it's unmanned fuel stations, is that... Correct. Yeah, that's uh, where we are today. But I must say what we are doing now with cycling and also with our the remainder part of our business is about moving towards the future. We all know that uh, fossil fuels is not the solution uh, in a sustainable uh, world. Um, so we are now currently expanding our business a lot in terms of electronic charging and uh, env environmental friendly car wash systems. Um, so it's all about developing the brand into uh, more of a mobility position. Um, and we are using uh, cycling and our team as a, how to say it, as an engine to, to move us to the, towards this new direction. Wow, okay, that's really interesting. And I was, I've seen a couple of pictures of the actual sort of fuel stations themselves they look futuristic yeah. is that is it is that common in um in that part of the world? Um, i don't know if you're very futuristic but at least we can say that we we are trying to find concepts with the brand that is more about the future than the past i think that's very important than buying fuels or buying energy to your cars or cleaning your cars it's it's a bit of a hassle right uh, mm -hmm. so we want to make it as efficient as possible at the lowest price possible. And to be honest, we are we're quite a young team in my company. We are can say that I'm a bit part of the next generation here. Um, and we are we are saying that we are almost running more of a tech company than a fuel company at the moment because it's all about the futures so of finding the best solutions for our customers and. That way of thinking into the business is what we're also trying to integrate in the cycling team because there's still spots available in the peloton being a bit different than the others. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And uh, I'd love to touch on that a little bit more later. I've got a few questions there. But as a, as a general manager of a, of a pro cycling team, now you've got obviously the UCI pro team, which is the men's team, and now the women's world tour team. Uh, what is your role as general manager for the team? Like, what's kind of involved with the day-to-day -day with running a cycling team? Oh, um, I would say quite heavily involved. Um, we, we are really trying to, to act small, even when we are growing as a system. I think that's a really tricky part of it. Uh, I don't like hierarchies at all. I don't like rules. I like values and trust. And I'm trying to, of course, influence my management and our team with that way of thinking. Um, 
And for me, this is all about passion. It's not like I'm counting the hours on this. I'm counting uh, how we perform and, and our results. And um, I'm, I'm very much integrated. And if you ask some of my sports directors and even the riders, I think they would say, well, um, Jens is quite, uh, quite close to the whole operation in, in all segments. Mm, very interesting. So you would have, uh, I guess, are you involved with, say, like when the team decides to sign a rider? Oh, yeah, uh, that's uh, one of my favorite tasks, of course, uh, being responsible for that part. So um, we have a full sports management team uh, in addition to myself, of course, with a lot of competent people. Uh, but of course, I'm the one safeguarding the identity of the team, the philosophy of the team. I'm representing mm -hmm. that from an owner perspective. Um, and, and this is what I'm spending my time on. And of course, that also goes into what people do get on the bus. If you are not, if you're not interested in that part of the business, then you're really not operating your business well, I think, because it's critical to, to assess well, uh, which people do get on the bus, uh, in this case, staff and riders. Yeah. Uh, but what I don't influence is, uh, which riders will race, which race. And I don't influence race tactics hmm. because then I'm stepping into an atmosphere of, of the competence of the sports director and, and, and I should not and will not spend time on that part. So hmm. I'm trying to safeguard the whole system and make sure we have the right riders on board. And then it's up to the sports man management to make sure that we, that we get noticed in the peloton. That's good, eh? And that's a that's a um, it's it's a contrast to some of the other uh, general managers that run around. <laughs> Might be, <laughs> yeah, you know, just maybe a few. I will not comment on that. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Don't worry, I won't ask you to. But uh, you know, <laughs> um, I guess it's that's good because I'm sure your sports directors and your sports management staff really appreciate that because that's you showing your confidence and their ability to, you know deliver their expertise in that area so that's i guess that must yeah. be a good a good um you know uh, just a good way of showing trust to your staff yeah but it, in general in in life or in 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 businesses i think that if you want to to maximize the potential in people you need to make sure that they have space you need to mm -hmm. make sure that they're able to take their own decisions uh, act mm -hmm. and do mistakes and, and learn from it. And mm. uh, that's really what we're trying to do. And, and we have, I haven't lost almost, I, had, I don't think I have lost one manager during the whole period uh, since oh, we nice. started the team. So we know how to act now. We, we have this, this installed in our bodies. Um, and, and this goes regardless if being, being a Conti team or a World Tour team, you can still act the same way, actually. Um, so I'm, I'm very conscious about this. Yeah. Okay. Great. Uh, so I want to just find out more about the development of the team or more importantly, the key moments of the development of the team. Now I followed your team for a while now, first of all, a few years mm. ago, just, just by the kit, the branding, it was so, uh, you know, it's so visual, you know, it's terrific, but yep. it was really the start of this year that I was like, Whoa, look at these guys, you know, um, you know, really coming in as underdogs, you know, against the World Tour teams in these big classics. That's what it, it was perceived like for me. But the way you guys raced was you weren't just there to make the numbers up at some of these races. You were, like, really forcing yourselves upon the racing. So I guess back in 2017, can you just talk us through 
I guess the key div- key moments um, of you know I guess the key highlights of the yeah, team of how it I'd came to been, now. Been, been quite a journey. We started off in 2017 with 11 riders and 11 bikes and a couple of sports directors, a mechanic and a senior. Uh, and we just wanted to we just wanted to start on the journey of of using the brand through the team and represent an opportunity for young riders in in Norway to to develop themselves into professional riders. We did that for a couple of years and, and had uh, quite a lot of success. We got on, got on board some really good talents. Uh, and then we saw, ha, ah, uh, this was really fun. Uh, maybe we should do more of it. Maybe we should expand a bit. Maybe we should try to exploit the potential in the brand more. Uh, and then we made a decision with, uh, with our very trustful owner to go uh, professional. Uh, and last, so 2021 was our second year as a pro team. It's yeah. been a rough start because we have been a pro team for two years and both of them have been pandemic years. And mm-hmm. we, have, we haven't been invited to that many races. You know, it's, uh, we are not that known in, in the world of cycling uh, so far. Um, and it's all a bit of a struggle just to get into the races and so on. But then we had this really good momentum with with the young riders performing at, at both our team level, but also at the national level. Um, well, the last two winners of Tour de l'Avenir has been riders in my team. Uh, and and that, that gives you a lot of confidence about where we are and what we are able to do with our young guns. Um, and uh, yeah, one year ago, we said that, okay, now we are ready for taking the next step, but not only for the men, part of the business we wanted to create a women's team Mm. Um, and we have reached the world tour level for the women's team uh, this year our first year Um, and they are currently now in Spain training for what's to come in a month's time Um, and we will apply for world tour license for the men's team uh, next year don't know if we will get it but uh, you never uh, you never get a chance if you don't tell uh, someone else about what you're dreaming about and then we will see 100% 100% mate I love that I love that uh yeah it's good you touched on some really good things that I want to know more about um but let's start with uh you know you mentioned you've you've got the two previous winners of the Tour de Lavenir which um is yeah. basically I mean for for casual cycling fans out there the Tour de Lavenir is really like um you know it's the if you win that it's kind of like the showcase event for uh about you know emerging pro cyclists essentially and yeah the, the two previous winners so uh, before um, my two guys won this uh, Bernal and Pogacar I guess that says a bit that's right yeah some serious talents uh, if you're a sprinter and you win a stage on that on that uh, during that race you're getting signed if you you win yeah. or in the top three of those mountain top finishes it's like a baby tour de France basically yeah it is totally. um, so when you have a rider that wins that event or does very well they must obviously i guess these days more more specifically they will get really hunted i imagine from other teams world tour <laughs> yes. teams you know what do you do yes. to try and um entice the rider to stay with your team yeah so uh um, we are we have been quite some time now using the reference to ajax amsterdam uh, one of the 
big players in football in in uh, in Europe uh, the last yeah I don't know decades. Uh, yeah. They have a team playing in the Champions League with a huge batch of talents. Some years are good, some years are bad, but they have an extremely strong identity and philosophy. And they are also very good about acknowledging the fact that they're a part of a value chain. And some sometimes that that value chain will actually make sure that you need to sell off riders and and then let uh, players leave. And we are also a part of that value chain. Uh, of course, I I won't wanted to close the gap a bit now because we're going world trying to go world tour and i wanted to make sure that i have a really good base of riders but at the same time i i have for years already now uh, had a very strong thought about when riders are ready to leave we will let them go um, and when they are offered chunks of money that we are not willing to offer then we will let them go we will not make barriers to young people trying to fulfill their dreams because mm-hmm. we're also a part of an ecosystem here. Um, if we are showing uh, talented riders in, in Norway and Denmark that we are letting them go, well, then I will get new riders on board. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, what goes around comes around. Suddenly, one of the riders being out on the world to come back to my team in two years' time. So um, I'm, I'm really trying to build a system around this. Mm, okay. Yeah, that's really good. Um... I guess, uh, like you said, if you if you create a good environment um, for the rider, they may come back if they did choose to leave. Which is, um, we'll just leave you on yeah, good them, terms if they did. That might be the case, and and I don't. Of course, if you are a rider in my team now, we, we have a lot of young riders earning good money, um, mm. and and they will get a race program hopefully out of this world mm. for a pro team. Um, mm. So I think I have a lot to offer, and we are offering some other things as well. I have a very strong organization around the team. Uh, they can stay home. They are in a safe environment with friends mm. and and people from it's. Mm-hmm. Well, with, with reference to the old uh, Orica system and, and Green Edge, I think yeah. it's very comparable, actually, in terms of trying to, to well, I won't be too nationalistic saying it, but, but it, it's about creating a, a unit that, that feels unique, you know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, it's exactly what I was thinking. I had a note down here to ask you about that. You know, the team has such a... Uh, a strong Norwegian and Nordic sort of background, you know. I mean, the team's mostly yep. Norwegian, and I imagine that creates quite a nice culture within the team, which is appealing to riders. Appealing to riders, and and hopefully appealing to managers as well. And I must say, I have a I have a lot of international staff, uh, but from many countries, and we are trying to to to. Well, we live in a happy country, and I'm trying to share that happy atmosphere with my with my staff and with my riders. And um, we have been able to do that over some time now, and I think we are on a really good path for for what's next. Hey, legends! I hope you're enjoying the episode with Yen so far. If you really like this one, be sure to leave um, a comment on the Instagram thread. Leave a rating on Apple, uh, do it on Spotify, hit the stars, let me know what you thought, send me a message on Insta, love to hear about it. But, got some big, big news, and this is a little bit of a dream of mine, I'm so happy about this. Zwift, our title sponsor of the Press Room Podcast, we're going in the game. That's right, 
the press room pillow has its own group ride and it's beginning on Wednesday, March 30th, 6am Eastern States Australian time. Uh, convert that as you will, Australian Eastern States time. Um, it's going to be awesome. 6am, I'm getting up at 3am to do this ride. And how about this? It's an hour ride, okay? It's just going to be a two watts per kilo, absolute cruise. We're going to get in the chat. We're going to talk a bit of Chang. And if you're not up for chatting, you just want to get your ride done, get the Ks done, one of my episodes of the podcast, and I won't tell you which one it is, it might be a new one, one of the episodes will literally start playing as you get into the ride. So head to the Zwift Companion app, check out the link in my description, it'll take you to the ride, and you just click that little plus, hit attending, and we'll build the community there, have a bit of chatting, um, we're doing a really cool route too, one of my favorite ones, I actually can't remember what it's called, I think Legends of Lava, about an hour, so it should be really cool, and your chance to sort of um, ask some questions, and you know, we can just have a chat, it's going to be cool, and I'll see if we can get a couple of special guests to join us for that ride, but it's also going to be weekly, so just scroll down to the description, or it'll be on Instagram somewhere, but easy just to scroll down now while you're listening, like literally right now. Scroll down, hit the link, it takes you to the page, and then you just hit the plus, and bang, you're signed up, ready to go. And 6 a.m. or 3 a.m. my time, we will see you in the game on Zwift, and we'll have our own group ride, the Press Room Pello. How good. Anyway, huge thanks to Zoo for our title sponsor. I hope this episode is absolutely doing it for you, and I'll leave you back with the episode. Cheers. This year, oh, sorry, last year, 2021, yep. obviously the start was yep. very good for you guys, and um, you mentioned getting race starts can be quite difficult, especially when you're a, a new on the pro, as a pro team. But in 2021, what was the result that really started to move things forward for the team uh we got off well we we didn't uh we didn't do anything i think almost before kurna brussel kurna uh and then we had a fantastic start there with one of my riders in the breakaway with the mathieu van der poel and and then we had a top 10 in that race and then we came second in les samun three days after with rasmus tiller and then the momentum just started kicking uh, because you got the momentum and you get confidence in the team. But I think the key, because we didn't win that many races early in the season last year, the wins came later on, but mm. we acted as a team. Uh, and for my team, I don't care which rider crosses the finish line first. I just want my rider, one of my riders to cross the finish line first. And that's how we're going to race as a team. And I think that was uh, recognized. Um, and then we got a very, very uh, surprising invite to E3, uh, Harelbeke, uh, and made a top 10 there with Marcus Ulgård. And from, from that on, it was just uh, a phenomenal season. Uh, uh, yeah, with a, with a lot of momentum throughout the whole year. Of course, ups and downs, but uh, I would say mainly ups um, and our best year as a team. And, and we were now, we came fourth on the pro team ranking uh, last year. Mm, yeah, it was, I mean, watching those races, especially E3 and Kern versus Kern, uh, those races are yeah. so exciting because, you know, it's the start of a real classic period, you know. And yeah, we usually see it's the same sort of 
10 or 15 guys, you know, that make that front selection, <laughs> yeah. you know, and then all of yeah. a sudden there's this guy in this yellow and red kit. You like, you always look out for the, the person who doesn't fit. You're like, who's that guy? You know, mm. then mm. because he's not one of the big hitters, you're like, well, oh, you start rooting for him, you know, you're like, oh, geez. And then you never forget that rider. And um, I think yeah. it created a bit of a following for you guys. And when you mentioned, you, you mentioned how, you don't care who crosses the line first and you got a lot of team unity out of your performances. Do you think that's because maybe the riders bought into the fact that if they really compete as a unit, that's giving them the best chance of their best result and that'll lead to bigger races and race starts? Yeah, totally. And these are friends, these guys. They have known each other for many years now uh, and they know that they, their opportunity will come they know that we have a long race season. Uh, and it's it's also, I would say, a bit about the Scandinavian mentality of we are not, a, I would say, not a very individualistic culture. Uh, we're more of a team culture. I'm not saying that's perfectly fine all the time. I'm just saying that's a bit how it is in Norway. Um, and, and, and that's just who we want to be. And then we, because... Racing in the classics, it's a lot about positioning. It's a lot about power, just trying to be uh, attacking in your head. And it fits our race style a lot. And of course, Belgium is, is really home for us. We have our service courses there. We know, I would say, almost every corner down in Flanders. Yeah. Uh, so it, it, feels, it feels safe. Um, and that's also why we perform so well down there, I think. Um, and, and hopefully we can improve that this year. Mm, yeah, absolutely. Uh, okay. Oh, yes. So when it comes to race starts, like you get those good results in the Samin, uh, E3, mm. kind of Brussels. Does that then, mm. like how does getting a race start in, you know, E3, for example, how do you get those big race starts? Is it results or do you have to like pay fees or? No, you don't have to pay fees, but you need to step up and make sure that it's known that you really want to come uh, and that you want to make a difference. Um, mm. And we have the disadvantage of not coming from France, Spain, uh, Italy or Belgium. Mm. Uh, and, and that disadvantage needs to be compensated with, uh, I think, a strong philosophy, identity and a way of racing. And then we were able to get that momentum in Belgium in March. And, and of course, we were able to move on with, with as I said, winning the Love and Eid. And we had some really strong victories later on in the season as well. Um, and I, I, I think uh, five riders left the team after 2021 to the world, other World Cup teams. So just to make sure that we are still a part of that ecosystem, as I mentioned. So we, 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 we kind of uh, worked our way through it, but... I am, I'm 38 years old, uh, and this is a world a bit unknown to me. Uh, yeah, you need to know. You need to know people. You know. To, you need to know which may email to send to whom at which point in time <laughs> and what to write and not to write. Uh, and uh, just uh, play the game a bit. I have to admit, uh, it's that's just how it is. Uh, being mm. a small player in a in a big system. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, that's. Uh... I think that applies to a lot of places in, in the real world. Uh, it's, it, <laughs> yes, sounds it, like, <laughs> it sounds like my podcast, actually. Um, 
So uh, it's very interesting. And I guess the organisers of the races, of course, they have, you know, uh, they may have alliances with um, with the host nations, teams, that sort of stuff, or maybe just the sponsors yeah. of those teams may be involved with the racing. But they want to see... Uh, they want to see aggressive racing, don't they? Not just getting out for that breakaway at the start. Yeah, they want to see. Oh, they want to see a lot. They want to see aggressive racing, but they also want to see a professional organization. They want to see a team that shows up on the starting line with a bus and a truck and don't look like a muppet show. Uh, mm. They want to see that you you have the whole package of acting professional because it creates value for the organizer. Mm. Uh, so all these elements are important. And as I said, you will always get paid if you stay happy with a smile and, and act uh, trustful to the organizers, to other teams. It will pay off. Might not pay off tomorrow, but it will pay off, pay off the day after. And um, so they are, I would say they're looking for the whole, the whole thing. And as you said, yes, it is a lot of alliances. And it's a lot more than you can even imagine between uh, sponsors and uh, old riders and old staff members. And I guess it's the learning curve is mm. extreme for me at the moment about it. But, but at the end, I'm, I'm just trying to stick to my values and stick to the nice. values of the team. And, nice. and uh, I have said that we will always in the end get what we deserve uh, being who we are. Mm-hmm. Love it. One rider who actually there's three riders that I'm really excited about on your team, on the men's team, and is uh, the two uh, Johansson twins. Yes. Can you say yeah. last name? Now, what's yeah, Johansson. Johansson. Yeah. Okay. What are their yeah. first names? Uh, well, Tobias and, uh, and Anders, uh, they are twins and they had their first year like we really first year on the road last year they are uh, uh mountain bikers uh by origin and and they started off on the road last year wow wow they're super exciting and uh is it tobias did he finish did he win the tour de Lavigne? yeah so uh tobias he won uh, tour de Lavigne and two stages there and then he also won two stages in the czech tour uh, second oh. in the gc there and then he was second in the baby giro gc um so he had just a crazy season last year uh, but i would really highlight the fact that he would not been able to do that without his brother because they are really really brothers in arms he, he, it doesn't matter which of them you talk, you will get the same answer anyway. Um, they're just one unit and you need to treat them like one unit. If not, they're not talking to you. Uh, so wow. it's a really, really close bond between those two guys. Um, and also Anders, he came top 10 in the same Tour de l'Avenir being, yes. being a domestique for his brother. So um, they're just, they, they have the... If you look at, at the Egan Bernals, at the Pogacars or uh, Jonas Vingegor, um, you can see that they have the combination of, of actually being good riders in the classics. Uh, they, are, they are able to climb the mountains, but also keeping the kick. So they, yes. they have the ability to increase speed and maintain it over time. Mm. Um, and the Johannesson brothers, they have the same abilities like this. Um, they're not they're not running on on uh, on petrol with with bomb speed uh, yeah. the whole mountain. They are able to to um, 
to vary. And, and yes. that's really attractive, of course. Yeah, yeah. And that, that is, is very attractive because it's, it's kind of rare, isn't it? Uh, but it seems to be becoming more common as well with some of the younger riders. They seem to have a bit more of a, I don't know, they seem to be more complete. And maybe it's from their mountain biking background, you know? Yeah. Uh, and, you know, it's, if you look at how the, they race the mountain today, they, they attack. They slow down yeah. for three minutes and they attack again. And then yeah. they're pushing for five minutes and then they sit down for two minutes and another attack. And if you have that element of, of, um, of speed in your body to make sure you're able to handle those transitions, then you can act really well uh, among the big guns. And, and I think that, that you can see now in Pogotra and Bernal and, and Alaphilippe. Um, mm. This is what you need if you want to be at the highest, highest level. Um, and the twins, they will, uh, they are there. They, they're just very young and vulnerable, yeah. and of course, uh, need time. But um, mm-hmm. hopefully, they can uh, do some magic this year. Absolutely. And uh, the third ride I would mention before is um, is Johan Price Peterson. Uh, yeah, uh, great guy, but he's not racing for my team next year. Uh, oh. He got an offer from Barain Merida, and he's going uh, to them. Uh, he won the under-23 time trial worlds now in, in Belgium this year. He smashed it. And yeah. he wanted uh, to exploit the opportunity in Bahrain. But uh, Johan is a fantastic lad. Uh, he's very much focused on time trialing. Yeah. He has uh, huge challenges he need to work on in the, in the peloton in, in mass starts. Uh, in the road races, um, if we're able, if it's able to do that, I'm sure it will be a fantastic career for Johan, and, and we wish him all the best on this uh, on this mm. journey in, in Bahrain. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Yeah. It's uh, it's so much talent coming out of Norway and Scandinavia. What do you think the the uprise in this like increase in talent? Um, yeah. Good question. So we are. We are the generation being looking at Tele, looking at Edvald Boson Hagen, Alexander Kristoff and Tor Husov. Um, oh, yeah. So oh, we, have, we have a lot of young riders inspired by these guys and we have quite a strong cycling culture in Norway now. Um, and of course, the fact that UNOX is not only operating in Norway, but we also have huge business in Denmark and, and, and cycling in Denmark, that's, that's just huge massive um so so combining those two countries it's a really good thing to do i think uh we get the best out of two worlds and uh very similar cultures no language barriers uh we can speak danish and norwegian to each other and so on so um all these elements fits really well together and i think yeah if you look at Mats Pedersen and Kasper Oskren and it's just flowing out of Denmark at the moment and it, <laughs> it, it, it won't it won't stop because yeah uh, the country is flat and people are moving around on bikes yeah yeah and those riders they inspire tiny kids you know to go oh, I want to race you know yeah yeah totally that's totally. right that's right okay um yeah. The women's team, how exciting. The women's cycling at the moment is, um, yeah. oh, it's awesome. It's just going up, you know. The women's were It's tour, massive, it's huh? Just, yeah, yeah. yeah. The, the, the depth yeah. of the talent in women's cycling is just, you know, it used to be four or five riders. They'd ride away, you know. If you had a, a stage that was too difficult, there would be hmm. two riders at the end. But now it's much deeper field. Um, what do you, uh, I guess, who is, who, who are going to be considered, I guess, the 
the leaders for the Women's World Tour team or the, maybe the more experienced riders that you've signed? Yeah, I don't know yet. We have to see at the camps who's winning the tests or not. But uh, no, we have, we, have, we have some really good uh, women on the team. We have, of course, we have Jules Loudon from the UK. Uh, yeah. We have Hannah Barnes from the Hannah UK. Barnes. Both of them very experienced with fantastic results. We also have a Norwegian uh, one, uh, Susanna Andersen. Um, mm-hmm. She's been in Team DSM. Uh, came seven in the Worlds back in Bergen in 2017. So we have a, we have a combination of young riders uh, combined with a bit more experienced ones. And then we will see what we're able to do. I've just said that whatever we do in the men's team, we're going to replicate and, and make sure we have it in the women's team as well. Sick. To make sure that we have the resources to develop, to learn and, and create our very uh, strong identity. Mm-hmm. So, um, so, so that's, um, that's the target for this season. It will be heavy because, as you said, the, the development is massive. It's Shiro Donne, it's uh, Tour de France Femme. It's, uh, the World Tour races are now for both genders, uh, thank mm-hmm. God. Um, yes. So it will be a hectic season with a, with a steep learning curve. And, and my, my ambition is to make sure that regardless of being a man or a woman, you have the same opportunities in Scandinavia, becoming a professional and, and earning your wage through it. And of course, making sure that you're part of the same system in terms of racing style and how to act in the peloton. Nice. Love it. What, uh, I guess uh, you might not know the full race calendar yet for the Women's World Tour team. Um, oh, almost. But, uh, yeah. Almost. What race in, yeah. that, in that schedule sticks out to you as one that you are really looking forward to, just to watch your team go? Yeah, it's impossible not to talk about the first Tour de France, I think. Um, I'm a huge fan of the classics, uh, Ronde van Flandern and Paris-Roubaix. Um, so, so the classic season and then moving down to first Girodonne in Italy. And then, of course, I just have to highlight the the, the Tour de France femme. Um, that start in Paris... With uh, I think it will be a lot of attention on it. I think it's eight days, uh, eight yes. stages this year. It it will be massive for women's cycling. I think the it will be a lot of spectators. Uh, let's just assume that COVID is not a problem anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it it will be it will be the next step for for women's cycling, and it will be a huge thing for the teams as well. Um, mm. I can al- already. I feel on my body that I'm getting the same level and even more attention in the team from from the women's side than from mm. the men's side. So it's mm. it's just also from a marketing brand perspective a fantastic journey. Yep, absolutely. Oh, I can't wait for the uh, the Tour de France. Oh my god, more racing. Yeah. And, um, I think I talked to yeah. a lot of the the women in the women's world tour at the moment, and you know it's kind of funny because. A lot of them aren't as keen, or at least a lot of the experienced riders aren't actually as keen on the Tour de France as they are, say, some of the other races. But I mm. think um, you're right in saying for the coverage and the boost of the sport, none of the other races on the calendar can do what the Tour de France can. Well, they might say they are not that keen or a bit reluctant, and we have this of course the, a good program already and everything and yeah they have been a bit slow in France and so on but I think when you ask the riders after the first completed Tour de France and see uh, how that works and how, how much it means for cycling actually how much it means for the jobs 
the potential in the jobs, the potential from a marketing yeah. perspective, I think they will say, wow, what an experience. Uh, I want to do it again as soon as possible. Good um, so I think, um, I think things, a lot of things will happen. And if you, I think it's different. If you ask a, a 30 year old woman, you might get a different answer if you're asking a 20 year old woman uh, in this case. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's, that's literally the two that I had. One of the riders was Sarah Giganti. She is so keen yeah. to race the Tour de France, and um, yeah. hopefully, hopefully, we'll get to see her anatomy uh, in those mountains. But um, I'm sure she will be a huge part of that. Yes, that's oh, for sure. I can't wait to see her go. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> James, what um, what are the bikes like that your team are riding? Are they, are they called Dare? Yeah, that's correct. Uh, we that's decided awesome. because, yeah, well, we are really happy with them. Uh, and I think the, the performance speaks for itself. Um, also, time trialing has been a fantastic advantage advantage in mm. the team. So it's a good, uh, it's a fast bike. It's a good bike to sprint with. We have one bunch sprints with it as well. So yeah. Uh, we, yeah, we're happy about the bike. It's it's uh, made in, in Taiwan uh, by a passionate guy named Jerry Chen. Um, and he just wanted to create his own uh, premium carbon brand, uh, making sure that it develops frames for the future. And yeah, between a lot of back channeling and so on and so on, we met with Jerry and realized, oh, this is an exciting thing to do. And, and also, to be frank, it's not that easy. We're in Scandinavia. It's not the biggest bike market. It's not the easiest market to be attracted to sponsors to. Um, uh, hopefully we are getting more and more attractive, but, but at the same time, it's about securing a very important part of the value chain. Um, yeah. And we've been racing on there for, for many years now and will continue to do so. Um, and we were combining that with a very good deal with the Dieta Swiss and Shimano. And, uh, yes. and we look forward to race on the 12th speed next year. The women's team is already uh, sitting on it at the moment. So uh, it's exciting. That is very exciting. Did you, yeah. when you had those, you said you, when you started the team, you had 11 bikes. Were they dares too? Yeah. Oh, no, wow. they were not. They, they oh. were Bianchi's and uh, it was, oh. uh, it, I was the one uh, buying them on behalf of the team and I realized <laughs> I, was them to, I was expecting them to come with saddles and I realized oh, there are no saddles there. Then my mechanics were standing down in the garage from our company and trying to figure out how to solve this with, with bikes with no saddles. It was just a lot of things in the beginning. Uh, the Bianchi's were great bikes, uh, but but at the same time, we need scale, right? Uh, we are now, oh, it's a lot of bikes in the team. I don't know, many hundreds. Um, yeah. and, and we just decided to move on with something, something a bit different um, mm. and making sure that the red color is shown well on the road. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, I've yeah. seen pictures of uh, of your team bus and the cars and stuff, and you, the bus looks phenomenal. I mean, it's just <laughs> at least you can see it. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> you can, mate, I reckon you can you can spot it from the moon. It's absolutely yeah. Uh, and I know our color our colors are a bit intense, but it's our brand, and yeah. and we want to use utilize the potential in the colors and in the brand, and uh, mm -hmm. we are shown in the peloton. It helps with having helmets from Speed Protection, with which are yellow, um, and, and and we're going to continue with that. Um, mm. It's difficult because we always, you know, 
from year to year, you want to make this minor change on the jerseys to make sure that's always something new. Yeah. Um, uh, but it's a bit difficult when you still always need to make sure you have this very uh, colorful jerseys of yellow and red. Um, so, yeah, we're always trying to figure out what to do next. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but yeah, you will I... not see us in white and blue. <laughs> <laughs> Good, we say that this. I I actually quite like the the idea of jersey staying mainly the same every year. You know, I kind of like that, especially if it's such a prominent brand and the sponsor stays the same yeah it, it creates a, an element of identity as well right if, yeah, if you look yeah. at the after show how they're doing it or, or Bora or Asha de Sar, uh, Ineos, like all of them are Jumbo Visma they are they are changing the jerseys but they're still yeah. staying very close to how to say it some main principles and mm. I think that's creating a fan base creating recognition yeah. in, in the peloton yeah. or around the world of cycling, I think that's also an important part of it. Mm-hmm. 100%. Hey, uh, Jens, if you could um, sign any rider right now to your team and they'd say yes <laughs> on the men's and on the women's, just one rider each, you could sign anyone and they're saying yes, who would it be? Uh, no secrets. I'm a huge fan of, of uh, a couple of guys in the peloton. One of, of course, uh, Alexander Christoph. Uh, he's, he's Sorry, Alexander, but he's getting a bit old. Uh, but he has he has fantastic experience, and I'm sure he can learn a lot to the next generation in my team. Uh, and if you look at a guy at, uh, like Mats Pedersen, fantastic yeah. rider and uh, an even greater guy, uh, still young, and uh, he will win the Pariro Bedix there. You heard it there first. Uh, he, he's yeah, fantastic guy. So, uh, of course, it's always allowed to say it out loud on podcasts, so I can say it there. Uh, <laughs> on the women's side, um, I'm going to be a bit nationalistic again. We have a Norwegian one in, in uh, Movistar, Katrina Olderu. She's climbing really well now and still developing. Yeah. And we have a couple of Danish riders. Um, we have Emma in Movistar, a fantastic talent, a great personality. We um, wish her all the best in, in the Movistar, of course. Um, and uh, there's another uh, Danish uh, lady in the Trek, um, former world champion, uh, Amalie Didriksen. Um, so uh, you never know what happens in the future. Maybe they will listen to you, Jethro, uh, and, and give me a call. <laughs> hey, I reckon if they're in movie stars, Sarah will be telling them to get on the podcast. I know it. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's funny. Uh, I think it's um, I think it's important to stay a bit. How to say it? Uh, it's not. Don't have to be a secret. Everything. Uh, yeah. Just telling a bit about what riders you you would. Yeah. Uh, find interesting and be open about that. It's not that dangerous. And um, uh, some parts yeah. of it, of course, playing the game, but other parts a bit about just making sure that you, you create some good stories in, in, in the world of cycling. 100%. I love it. And, and that's what I find most interesting about cycling is when people are willing to share a bit. And, and same with riders too. I kind of like when the yeah. riders, they come and say what race they want to win. You know, like say, for example, yeah. um, Tom Pidcock. And he's saying, I want to yeah. be world champion in all disciplines. Yeah, yeah. in the same year. I love that. You know, instead yeah. of this day yeah. by day, day by day, just say it, you know. Yeah, and I think the, the 
the cycling sport is really close to its audience. You can meet riders close to the race, after the mm. race, before the race. They're quite available. General managers are quite available. And I think it's completely necessary because if not, we're going to be run down by Netflix's on the PGA Tour and, and Formula Ones. And, and we need to create yes. this this uh, ecosystem of enthusiasm and sharing yeah. and, and passion to make sure that we always develop the sport. If we lean back and, and just expect people to like us and then be interested in our sport, we're going to lose. Then someone else is going to invest more into it and, 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 and mm-hmm. pass us by. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you reference, I mean, referencing the Formula One with the drive to survive and how many yeah. casual people that weren't even interested in F1 got into the sport because yeah. of that show. You know, and that's yep. what we can do with cycling. Um, and, I, and that's a good point because that brings me to the, the YouTube channel. Um, a friend of mine told me about it a couple, well, about a month ago. And um, mm-hmm. the content on there is great. Like, do you have someone building oh, it for you? Yeah, for sure. Uh, I'm not able to do it. Uh, I just, we, and, you know, we have a lot of producers in Norway being really good at ski films and that kind of stuff, of like Alpine stuff. Um, and we found some really passionate guys that, that wanted to that have run their own business. They're called the Word Up Project, and they've been our partner since. Uh, and we have done three seasons of it now on the YouTube channel. And we will move into a slightly different direction next year because it's really it's taking a bit too much time make doing the filming and then producing it and then releasing it. So we need to how to say it, uh, reduce the time to market, uh, be even more, how to say it, impulsive and in the moment. And uh, nice. the word of price, yeah. they are actually landing in, in Spain now, uh, as we speak, and they will stay there for the next, I think it's the next 12 days. So they better bring home a, a lot of content for us to, <laughs> to share with the world. <laughs> I think that's, that's great. Yeah, more time to market is quicker. That's what everyone's consuming at the moment. And um, yeah. Yeah, and it's again, this is also about finding your spot there because every team is trying to do the same. They have the head of communication, they have a couple of press officers and a, and a production team going around taking the same photos, looking down on the jersey. Or oh something. my god, and, you know, and <laughs> yeah. It's, yeah, but it's really, it's really, I think it's, I'm, I'm hunting the way of acting different in all these matters. Because if you're not, then you're just ending up in the bunch and people won't recognize you. If you look Mm -hmm. at what Jonathan Wouters has done with the EF education Mm -hmm. and how he has been able to build uh, a brand around the team, a momentum of excitement when when they have something going on, people are waiting, what's next? What's coming now? Uh, And I I I really like that. It's it's, um, inspiring. It is, mate. It is. I can hear your enthusiasm. I think matches mine for cycling. And uh, <laughs> seriously, mate, so. <laughs> it's so good. It's so good. Um, James, mate, that's uh, that's all I've got time for today, or all I've got written down. I've actually got hours to go, but um, <laughs> well, I'm sorry, know. mate, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. You're a busy man. You're a CEO and a general manager. Uh, I mean, at only thirty-eight, you must uh, have incredible time management. Uh, well, if you ask my girlfriend and my three kids, they might uh, <laughs> beg to differ. Uh, but uh, but um, well, I'm trying to find my path in life, like everyone else, yeah. and I'm trying yeah. to cope with whatever uh, whatever meets up. That's great, mate. Uh, 
Yeah. Honestly, Jens, this is one of the my favorite interviews I've done yet. And thanks for being so <laughs> seriously, thanks for being so open and the stuff you talked about. Oh, this episode is going to be so good. <laughs> I uh, appreciate that, Jethro, and uh, I wish yeah. you all the best with the development of the podcast and, and the great cycling season coming up. Legends, that is another episode of the Press Room Podcast presented by Zwift, done and dusted. How good. I hope you love this episode. This was one of my favorites, and I just love the Uno X cycling team, you know? It's not just what they represent as a team, but it's how they race that really appeals to me. They're just, they're smashers, you know? They just try and smash the race with those big Nordic units that are on their team. So look out for them in the big classics, Rasmus Tiller. In particular, you can't miss him. He's got absolute chompers for teeth when he's in the sprint. Um, but he's a real contender in those big races like Paris-Roubaix, Flanders, um, all those big races. But big thanks to Jens for um, you know coming on the podcast and sharing so much. And I hope that I can link up with him later in the year, perhaps in September. Let's wait and see. But don't forget... The Press Room Pello on Zwift, the group ride March 30th, which is a Wednesday, 6 a.m. for you Australian Eastern Staters. I love you guys. Um, that's for you. Anywhere else around the world, well, I'm not really sure about the time differences, but hopefully you can attend. And um, there's going to be a really special episode playing. And speaking of special episodes, just while I've got you, we've got some really cool guests coming up. In particular, I have... An Australian legend coming on the podcast. A new age legend, Mr. Jai Hindley. That's right. If you're listening this far into the podcast at the very end, this is what you get. Jai Hindley and I caught up the Perth squad on the podcast. And, you know, we detail everything. We talk about bunning snags, the lot. Um, yeah, it's a ripper. But again, legends, thank you so much for listening. And I'll see you real soon for the next episode.